Welcome to the Pathways mini podcast series, the show that dives into women's social entrepreneurship in Southeast Asia and brings some remarkable women entrepreneurs into your home, car, or wherever you're listening. I'm your host, Stephanie Finnegan from Value for Women, and this is our last episode. Today, we're going to do a roundup of some of the key takeaways from this mini series and dive into a few additional tips and tricks for accelerators and entrepreneurs that didn't come up in our conversations with Tracy Fan, Levana Sani, and Jane Dunlop but did come up a lot as we spoke with other women social entrepreneurs in our research, all of whose businesses have experienced exponential growth or social impact over the last three years. You know by now that solutions driven by women and for women are underinvested in. You also know that this is, in part, due to the fact that acceleration exacerbates gender gaps. After acceleration, men-led startups raise more than two and a half times the equity than women-led startups do. The great news is that accelerators and incubators are increasingly focusing on women entrepreneurs. Our episode today is going to give you design elements for your programs to overcome gender gaps since we aren't seeing many out there in the business support space yet. It's so important that we realize that our role in life really, uh, and our, our start in life, it doesn't determine where we end up, but man, it can really help. First, let's talk about privilege. It came in many forms among the successful social entrepreneurs with whom we spoke. For Ms. Dunlop, it came as a network in her home country of New Zealand her fluent English, and her father's financial support when she and her husband started Aluan. I've been blessed to be born to two amazing parents that um, supported me financially, emotionally, <laughs> and spiritually to thrive. And dad always supported us and said, you know, if we came to him with a business idea, he was really open to, to supporting that. For Anya Lim, founder and CEO of Antil Fabric Gallery, who you didn't get a chance to meet in these podcasts, but is profiled in the Pathways to Success report, it was growing up as the daughter of entrepreneurs in the midst of the hum and bustle of her mother's modest retail establishment that traded in fabric. 80% of the entrepreneurs had received a university-level education at elite institutions abroad or leading universities and technical institutes at home. There, they developed strong and sometimes international networks. Later, some entrepreneurs found that because of this elite background, investors didn't require them to unequivocally prove their capability, as other women had to do, though men often didn't. Privilege becomes particularly important in the midst of the persistent gender barriers that women face. For Ms. Sani, it is about physical safety. Sometimes women don't know, um, you know, with like older <laughs> males or whatever, which is like mostly where a lot of VCs and mentors, maybe in the entrepreneurial space, have been. And remember what Ms. Dunlop told us about how she made work starting up and having young kids at home? The short answer is I don't think that you do make it work. <laughs> I think that, you know, for me personally, it's incredibly challenging starting a business. Doing that while raising a small family is almost impossible. And so you just delve into the depths of yourself. The number and extent of biases faced even today by these successful women social entrepreneurs is honestly disheartening. 
Picture this, because this is what we heard. Clients, partners, co-founders, and investors speaking or negotiating with male management rather than the woman founder and CEO. Co-founders interfering in business decisions and relationships. Disrespectful interactions. Uniquely demanding interrogations about products and services. Questions about a founder's plan for motherhood. So women have adapted. They have adopted strategies to overcome biases in fundraising. They take extra care with their pitch, perfecting it to an utmost degree and prioritizing the numbers over the business idea and impact objectives. They do not pursue conversations or partnerships with individuals who displayed overt bias and instead seek out more gender aware funders. Or, and this is really unfortunate, women are leaving the interaction to their male colleagues. But that takes a lot of energy that shouldn't have to be taken away from these women's focus on their actual businesses. Investors need to be proactive about this and business development services can also take the lead with investors, building awareness of different leadership styles. I love how Village Capital uses a peer ranking methodology to determine who receives funding. It is a way to recognize women's different leadership styles while supporting investors to judge women entrepreneurs with objectivity. Investors also need greater awareness of different entrepreneurial journeys. They need to eliminate what may be their own false beliefs about women's leadership abilities. And finally, they need more women investors and women-led investment funds. This podcast was made possible thanks to the support of the Advancing Women's Entrepreneurship Fund, an activity under the Andy Gender Equality Initiative in partnership with the U.S. Agency for International Development, which you probably know as USAID and the Visa Foundation. Just like Ms. Lim, who told us how with her privilege comes so much accountability and responsibility, accelerators and other entrepreneurial intermediary programs have a responsibility to understand how privilege plays into their selection process and programming. Of the 21 women we interviewed, each one grew up with privilege. Rama, who founded and chairs the KTR Cooperative and is profiled in the Pathways to Success report, was the only woman who grew up in a rural area. Growing up in a city should not be a prerequisite for a pathway to success, nor should growing up with any other type of privilege if you have the same potential for growth. So here are a few recommendations for accelerators. First, loosen requirements for women from outside capital cities or have set aside spots for them. And also for women who are leading impactful businesses that today have single, not yet double digit returns. Second, provide scholarships. Too often, financial constraints and limited cash flow prevent participation. Third, create opportunities for women entrepreneurs to develop signalers. Women who didn't receive an elite education or have an elite professional background need alternative ways to signal their capabilities and confidence worthiness to investors before they have established the viability of their business models. One way can be through awards and recognition of women's professional experience. Another thing is that often entrepreneurs really need to pitch in English to speak directly to global investors. 
Public speaking and pitching in English can be modules included in an accelerator program. Pro tip, including this in a donor proposal will resonate with donors looking to reach women who have traditionally been excluded from accelerators. Fourth, Ms. Fan had a great recommendation on networking that works for women. I think investors can find new ways for women founder to build a professional network beyond the usual after hours meeting over drinks. Late night socializing might or might not work for some women founders, especially those with young family and result in lost opportunities for both sides. So for example, one of my investors would have walking slash coaching section with me where we walk around certain neighborhood and I can openly share different challenges to my personal growth as well as business growth. Uh, for me, that was very effective coaching time. So two final recommendations for you. Women's time constraints and gender-related roles are center stage for each and every woman entrepreneur. So business support organizations need to put these constraints center stage when they define program delivery. We have specific tips on this in the report, so definitely check that out. And lastly, financing products should take women's requirements into account. More on that in the report too, and a great example there on Vilgro Philippines' We Rise Fund. Okay, I just gave you a lot. All of this is in the Pathways to Success report, available in the resources section at v4w.org. That's for the number four, v4w.org, and includes more recommendations together with the anticipated timescale and level of effort for each. If you haven't done so already, make sure to listen to the three previous episodes of this podcast miniseries, available in the same place you access this episode to hear more from each woman. And check out the Pathways for Success report at www.v4w.org. If you work with an accelerator, incubator, and investor, definitely check out the report for a full list of recommendations to apply a gender lens to the business support process for social entrepreneurs. Or if you're a women entrepreneur, the report is full of great profiles on many successful women social entrepreneurs who will be inspiring to you. The women social entrepreneurs interviewed for this report, as well as those just now entering incubators and accelerators, are creating powerful solutions for global challenges disproportionately impacting women. They are increasing access to education and enabling a career trajectory that includes having a family. They are transforming the care economy and reducing women's families and communities' vulnerabilities to shocks. These solutions driven by and for women will in turn give more women the possibility of themselves venturing, creating a virtuous cycle. May these women and those who come after them find great success in their endeavors. Thanks for listening to Pathways. Before we go, show some love for this new podcast by leaving us a review on your favorite streaming platform. Value for Women is a specialized advisory firm helping organizations advance gender inclusion. Value for Women works with a range of institutions, including SMEs, investors, and financial institutions across Africa, Asia, Latin America, and the Pacific to drive gender-forward solutions within their operations. The tracks you heard on this podcast are Illumination by Siddhartha Corsis and Inertia by BioUnit from freemusicarchive.org.